Good morning, church. Microphone didn't work first service, so here we go. Uh, three quick announcements. Um, one is we are kind of restructuring the prayer team, so if you're interested in that, please come see me. Just to let you know, the prayer team doesn't just mean that you're over praying for everybody. There's lots of aspects to it, so we're going to retrain that. Um, second announcement is, uh, let's see, Alpha. Alpha is on Wednesdays. We had our first one on Wednesday. The attendance is really good. Uh, if it's not too late to come, that starts at 5.30 on Wednesdays. And the third one is uh, October 22nd, Sunday after church, we're going to have a chili cook-off. So fall is going on. If you have your favorite recipe, feel free to join. We'll sign up next week for that. And now we have an alpha video. We share things every day, things that are meaningful to us, that entertain, inspire, or challenge us. We share moments, good or bad, big or small, because what we share matters. We have the chance to share something incredible, the hope that has transformed our lives. And today, more than ever, people are searching for hope, for connection, for meaning. The life we've experienced in Jesus is available to our friends and neighbors. And it's easier to share than we might think. Over the next few weeks, we are running Alpha, an opportunity to share Jesus with friends, family, and colleagues in person or online. Each week, we'll connect with each other, watch a short video, and have time to discuss our thoughts and questions without needing to have all the answers. All it takes is a simple invitation. Share life, faith, hope, Jesus. Who will you invite? Good morning, Zion family. Uh, today we get to participate in the sacrament of holy baptism. Uh, this is my favorite thing we do. I, I love doing it. And we got two of them this morning. And so this is going to be an exciting time as we welcome two new members into our church family. But in holy baptism, our Heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are born children of a fallen humanity, but in the waters of baptism, we are reborn children of God and inheritors of eternal life. By the water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church of, within the body of Christ. And as we live with him and his people, we grow in faith, love, and obedience to the will of God. Congregation, I don't come to you lightly. Uh, this is You guys play such an important role in uh, this process as well. Uh, though we only need one baptism, we are to live out our baptism daily. It needs to be a daily washing of our sins. And so as a church, I ask all of you to join us in this process by helping us model what it looks like to live a Christ-led life. And that, that, that's all different areas of life. That could be that's serving, that's praying, that's uh, reading scripture. We ask you to do all of those things, to set that example. And so today, I ask you to profess your faith in God the Father, Christ Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, to reject sin and confess the faith, the church, the faith in the church in which we baptize today. If you guys do all of these things, please respond with saying, we do. Awesome. All right, now we have a little bit of special uh, element to today's thing. 
uh, we had some people, that their family members, that were traveling over to Israel, and they got some water from the Jordan River. Uh, and so this is water from the river, and so we're going to use that uh, as a part of this baptism today. Uh, and what was it, a, a grandfather? Yeah. Grandfather, that, and they went and got baptized, or rebaptized in the water of the Jordan River. So that's pretty cool. So I'm going to go ahead and pour this in. All right, so today I present uh, Thiel and John for the Sacrament of Holy Baptism. Um, sponsors and parents, uh, again, you guys also play an important role because you are in this child's life every single uh, day. And so we ask that you guys take it a step further, that you uh, put a Bible in, in his hands, you uh, teach him the Creed, the Ten Commandments, uh, you raise him up in the faith, that you love him and you show God's love for him uh, that you show that to him every single day. If you guys agree to these things, please respond with, we do. We do. All right. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask that you lift him up to you today, that you be with him as he walks through life, as he grows and develops and becomes a, a young man of God. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you continue to pour into him. You put people in his life that loves him and cares for him. And so, Lord, we just love you so much. We invite you to this day. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Amen. All right. Now you can step forward, uh, and you guys each take a, you can take a side. We're going to lean forward. Thielen James, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. You can, I like the bow tie. That's classy. Yeah. Man, you did so good. Clean you up a little bit. All right. You've been marked with the cross and sealed with the Holy Spirit forever. Oh, man, there's a smile. <laughs> All right, at this time, can I get one of you to grab uh, the, the baptismal candle and go ahead and light it? This is to be lit on the anniversary of his baptism. Uh, may your light that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. All right. Um, so you guys can now, let's go ahead and step off to, the st off to the side, and we'll invite the next people forward. But stay up here, please. You can blow that out. Uh, we do have a prayer shawl that uh, was don or knitted together by our prayer shawl ministry, so that is a gift for you guys as well. Okay. Now I present to you guys Emerson Joy for the Sacrament of Holy Baptism. Uh, would you guys pray with me? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just lift Emerson up to you today. Uh, Lord, we invite you to be a part of her life as she grows and she develops and she becomes a, a, a young lady. Lord, we just ask that you continue to pour into her. Show her that she is loved, cared for, and that, Lord, you see her. And so, Lord, we just ask you today. We love you. We praise you. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. All right, sponsors and parents, you guys have that same call uh, to to grow her up in the faith, to put a Bible in our hands, teach her the creed, the Ten Commandments, uh, because you guys have the first line of defense uh, to, to raise her up uh, in the path that she needs to go. And so if you guys agree to that, just respond with, we do. Awesome. All right, so you can go ahead and step forward. Emerson, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Was that fun? <laughs> All right, let's go. 
clean you up. There you go. Emerson, you've been marked with a cross and sealed with the Holy Spirit forever. Amen. You wiggled your head, but that's okay. We still, we still got the cross. All right, could now I get a, one of the sponsors to step forward and grab one of the candles? Again, this is to be lit on the anniversary of, of, of her baptism. So Emerson, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Uh, we also have a prayer shawl that was uh, made for you by our prayer shawl ministry. They prayed over it the entire time as they created it. So this is a gift for you guys. Uh, can I get both families to kind of to come back out? Uh, you may blow out the candle. And can I get somebody to lift them up uh, whenever I say? Are you ready? And I'm not going to be in the way. Zion, I hope you're ready because here are the two newest members of Zion's family. All right, thank you so much. You guys can make your way off the stage. Be careful on the steps. Well, good morning, church. It's an awesome thing we get to do to uh, raise up the next generation in baptism. But now, we're going to have some fun. We're going to stand together and we're going to worship, all right? Let's do it. Up. Here we go. He is risen. We are risen with him. Hallelujah. It is finished. See the great nobody in it. Dead things coming back to life again.
values is generosity. But it's a generosity that doesn't come from within ourselves. Rather, it comes as an overflow, a natural response of our gratefulness of God's generous love and mercy and forgiveness that he pours out on us. And so we believe that our offering is so much more than just a donation, that it really is an act of trust and an act of faith and an act of worship. And so each week we read these words from Paul and Ephesians together. Let's read it together. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. His word tells us that he will do immeasurably more, or literally more than we could ever ask or imagine, not only just with us, but with our future generations as well, that all we have to do is trust and believe in his power and in his promises. So will you bow your heads with me as we pray over our offering in faith? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us and provided for us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would expand our vision beyond what we can even fathom in the lives of our community, in the lives of this church, and in our own personal lives. We pray for all churches today that we get to come and worship the one true King, that we may make your name known. We bless this offering for you today, and it's in your name we pray. We're going to pass the bucket, so if you're sitting on an end, just pass it to the next person behind you, and it'll continue to make its way to the back, and we'll collect it back there. Let's keep worshiping.
good morning, church. How's we're doing this morning? Thanks, brother. It's so wonderful to see you all. It's especially a good morning because we don't have to watch the Vikings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, at least it's not the Packers. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, if you're new with us, my name is Jason, I'm one of the pastors here at Zion. Uh, I, want, I want you to hear this, if this is your first time here, I am so grateful that you're here. Uh, I've talked to several people this, over the last two services who started coming over, the, over at the park and are now here, and I gotta tell you, man, it just makes me so excited to see how God is moving. The other thing that I want you to hear, and just as one of your pastors, um, I was just sitting there listening to us sing, and uh, I'll tell you one thing that blesses the heart of God is when his people sing, uh, and I'm so proud of who we are becoming as a church, that we are a worshiping church, and so I just want you to hear this. It is, there's something powerful and beautiful when God's people are lifting up a voice in unison, amen? Um, all that being said, I'm really excited about what God has been doing in Zion and what God is doing this morning, and if this is your first time or if you're new with us, uh, so here's the thing we believe about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit to show up. He's already here. Uh, what we have to pray is that we would be open to the Spirit. We have to pray believing that God's Spirit wants to move in us. And so uh, about six months ago, we started doing a prayer of invitation and expectation. And if you're not there yet, if you're not a Christian or if you're, you're not comfortable praying this, that's okay. But if you want the Lord to speak to you this morning for his word to come alive, would you please stand with me and join me in this prayer? And if you choose not to, no judgment, really. If you don't want to stand, if you don't want, if you don't want to pray this, there's no judgment whatsoever. But if that's you, would you join me in this prayer? God, you are so good. Thank you for your faithfulness to me. Forgive me for the things that break your heart. Break my heart for the things that break yours. Holy Spirit, stir in me a passion for your word, your presence, and your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And our verse for this morning is 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The word of the Lord, praise be to God. You may be seated. Uh, so we're in our third week of our fall series, Becoming where we're focusing on our third value and vision for us as a church community. And, and here's what I want you to hear. Our mission is simple. Uh, our mission is given to us by Jesus. And any church that has a different mission than this or some, somewhat similar to it isn't actually doing what God called us to do. And our mission is go and make disciples. Every church, that is the mission that God has given every church. Go make disciples. But how churches live out that mission, how they accomplish it might be different. And that's where our vision and values come in. And about two and a half years ago, we moved from our previous vision and vision statement to a new one, which is encompassing three words. Now, you might be like, Jason, wait a second. I was here last week. I heard already heard that. And the week before, I heard that. And the answer is, yep, you did. I, I 100% uh, we go through it. And here's a reason why we go through it. Uh, many church leaders have, have said this, and I think this is important. Vision leaks. And what I mean by that is this, is that it's easy to forget the vision and values of what God is calling us to as a church. And so the reason why we say this so regularly is because I understand it's so easy to forget what is the vision of what we're trying to be as a church. And, and if you know this, say this with me. We have three simple words 
that encompass our vision and our values. Three words, ready? And if you know them, say them out loud with me that are this. Belong, believe, become. And these three words matter for us because they are shaping how we accomplish the mission. And let me just reiterate, our first one is belong. And here's the thing, you do not have to believe in Jesus to belong to a church. Now, before you think I'm a heretic, let me explain. The word for church, where we get our understanding of church, is from a Greek word, ekklesia. Everybody say ekklesia. Ekklesia is just a gathering of people. So if you're at a football game with a bunch of people, technically you're in ekklesia, that could be like a church. If you're in a bar drinking with your buddies and there's a bunch of people gathered together, according to the word ekklesia, that is a church. Uh, if you have a mob of people, <laughs> a mob gathering together, that is technically a church. You do not have to believe in Jesus to belong to a church. You can be here. In fact, we seek to be a safe place for people who are wrestling with doubt and questions and, and who maybe are like, Jason, I'm not even sure if I believe this Jesus stuff. And the remarkable thing about Jesus, Jesus had this incredible way of making every person he encountered feel like they belonged, even if they didn't believe in him yet. But, and this is important, we are unabashedly and unapologetically about Jesus. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know the good news of the gospel. We want you to put your faith, hope, and trust. We want you to believe in Jesus. But we also want you to believe in Jesus' words, God's word. And I talked about this last week is that it's unfortunate. I know way too many Christians, and I've had conversations where people who say, well, I believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in God's word. They don't believe that God, that the Bible is given to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by broken human beings, so that we might have direction. And here's the thing. The Bible is not a love letter to you. If it is, it's the weirdest love letter ever. Like, it is an awkward love letter, if that's the case. It, the Bible is not about you. The Bible is a book about God. It is a book that reveals who God is, who the world is, our need for salvation, and how God is ultimately going to redeem and rescue this broken world. That's the purpose of Scripture, and it gives us guidance and shapes our lives. And so not only do we want you to believe in Jesus, we want you to believe in the power and authority of God's Word. And then last week, we talked about the importance of you need to belong to a community, that when you become a Christian, you become part of the family of God, which leads us into our third value, become. Because what you belong to and believe in will shape what you become like. Did you catch that? What you belong to, what you believe in, will ultimately shape what you become like. And so we've committed a year to focus on each one of these words, and this is our third year, so we're in our third word, become. And, and what does it mean to become? Well, our sermon series, particularly over the entire year, and we're not just doing one giant year-long series on becoming, but every sermon is about helping you understand what does it mean to become like Jesus, to become the person that God wants you to be. And, and we're going to give you practical ways to look at this, because sometimes you'll go to church and what you hear is good information, but not practical steps, not things that actually deal with real life. How many of you have ever felt like that? You're like, that's great, Pastor. I don't know how to apply that. We want to give you means and resources to help you become who God wants you to be. And so as we're doing this, this first series, I started off by posing a question, and I hope that, I know some of you took this seriously, but I hope you understand the heart of this question. This question is meant to shape us as a community, but more importantly, it's an invitation for you to actually be intentional about what God wants from you. And here was the question. 
Who do you want to become over the next year? Who do you want to be? What kind of Christian? What kind of spouse? What kind of parent? What kind of friend? What kind of business leader? And, and this is the thing. Whether or not you admit it or not, you will are, are, are going to become something over the next year. And if you're not intentional about it, you may become something you don't like. Uh, about four or five years ago, I've been working out pretty consistently at the gym. I lift weights. I enjoy lifting. And about four years ago, I got into some of the best shape of my life. I mean, I was working out hard, eating right. And, and I look and I see pictures of that and I go, wow. And there was an intentionality to it. And then COVID happened and a few other things in life happened. And I stopped being intentional about my becoming. And let's just say Jason got a little tubby. Um, and, and here's the thing. So about Six, seven months ago, I went back and I'm like, okay, I don't like who I've become. I don't like where my weight has gotten. I don't, I don't like how I feel. It's not about how other people see me. It's about how I feel. And I started working out, and I was doing all the same things I did four years ago, but they weren't working. Because here's the thing. I'm 48 now, and it's amazing how the difference between 44-year-old Jason and 48-year-old Jason, my body doesn't respond to the same things. So I, I went to a trainer. I went to somebody who could help me with my intentionality. And and he happens to go to our church. He's a bodybuilder, wonderful man. And, and he's helping me. He's now training me, and he's giving me a diet program. And, and it's not dieting. Like, I'm eating a lot of food. It's just the right kind of food. And I'm lifting, and I'm doing all these things. <clears throat> but here's my point. If you're not intentional about becoming, you will become something. And that's not just true of your physical body. It's true of your spiritual body. And, and this is a year of intentionality. It is a year where we are focusing on a church on how to be intentional about our becoming. And so when I offer this challenge to you, my hope is, is that you'll take it seriously, that instead of just going to church, hearing a message, maybe being inspired, maybe being encouraged, maybe being challenged, that instead you look at it as an opportunity of saying, wait, wait, I have the next year, what happened, what would it look like if we were intentional about becoming who God wanted us to be? What would your life look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your children look like? What would your business look like? And if you're a Christian, the most important question you should be asking, if you're not a Christian, I get it, you can read self-help books and become all kinds of different things, and that's okay. But if you're a Christian, the most important question you should be asking is, who does God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who does God want me to become? Did you catch that? Because if you don't have God's vision for your life, you might actually be going against what God has for you and wants for you. And the intentionality over the next year, each week, we're trying to be intentional to help you focus. And my hope is, is that you don't, it doesn't just stop, start and stop on a Sunday morning, that throughout the week. Uh, let me ask this question. How many of you over the last couple of weeks have been at least thinking about the idea of who, who God wants you to become or who you want to become? If that's you, raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, it's okay. No shame. We're busy. We get distracted. But here's what I want you to hear, okay? If you take this seriously, according to God's word, God promises to do something remarkable in you and through you. In fact, when we're intentional about becoming, God promises blessing. This does not mean financial blessing. It doesn't mean health blessing. Guess what? You can follow God and still get cancer. You can follow God and still not get the job you dreamed of. God's blessings sometimes come that way, but the real blessing of God is God's presence, amen? And when we become who God wants us to be, when he is the vision of our life, 
it does shape us and change us, and, and we become the people of God that he shaped us to be. And, and God hasn't asked us to do this alone. He's given us three gifts. Now, uh, when we are going through sermon read-through on this, so if you don't know this, every Thursday I meet together with my staff, and uh, we have those who can or want to and a few volunteers who come, and whoever's preaching shares the message, allowing for people to give feedback. And, and when, we, when I got done doing sermon read-through, um, one of the staff members said, Jason, this is a really solemn, like the, the message of this is rather intense. And, and here's the problem. Anybody who knows me, I'm kind of like a, I'm like a shark. I'm just always moving, right? And, and he said, I don't think that needs to be the tone of this. There's a seriousness to this. And, and so we brought a chair up to kind of anchor me down a little bit. <laughs> but also, and, and I, I hope you hear this, as the lead pastor of Zion, I'm coming as your pastor sharing what I believe God has for us this morning, and it challenged me first. And, and if you hear the tone of this, the tone of this is more like a father talking to his son. I care about what God is doing in our church, but it has to start with me. And this week, I was, I was quite frankly, wrestling with the Lord on some things, and, and here's the thing. So we have three gifts that I've talked about over the last three weeks, two weeks, about who we become and how God gifts us to help us become who he wants us to be. And the first gift is the Bible. God gave you his word to show you his vision for your life, his church, and the world. Remember what I said, the Bible is not a love letter to you, but it is about God, and it does show us who God wants us to become more like Jesus, and it shapes us, and it forms us. And God, if you are a person who says you believe in Jesus, you must believe in his word. But he also gives you his spirit. Last week, we went through Genesis and we talked just briefly, <clears throat> excuse me, about how God, the first three days of creation, God made, and then the next three days of creation, he filled. So in the sky, the sky was made, but then he filled the sky with birds. The sea was made, and then he filled it with fish, and then the land was made. And then we talked about last week, the need for community and and how God made us, but he didn't just make us with a God-shaped hole in our heart. We need people. We need relationship. Well, this morning as we were worshiping, God showed me something else, and that is that everything God created, he made it to be filled. And here's the coolest part. God created man to be filled with his spirit. Just like the skies were made to be filled with birds, if you were a believer, you were made to be filled with the spirit of God. And in fact, that is God's desire for all human beings is that the humans... The, the, the Holy Spirit would dwell in all humans because you are the temple of God and that only happens through faith in Jesus. And, and so that spirit dwells in you to empower you so that you can become like Jesus through a word called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. That's just the process of becoming like Jesus. That's all it is. And it's the work of the spirit and of the word. And then last week we talked about the third gift, his people, that you were created for community, God gave you his people, a spiritual family in Christ to help you become like Jesus. And I, I want you to hear this. If you've never been here this morning, if you've never been here before and you're visiting, maybe you go to another church. First of all, I'm so glad you're here. But if you go to another church, praise God, man. God is so much bigger than Zion. The kingdom of God is moving and we're not in competition with other churches. We're not trying to get more Christians here. We're trying to get unsaved people to know the love of Jesus and get saved. Amen. And so we celebrate what God is doing in other churches. And so if you're visiting here, hear this, and I hope you bring it back to your community. You cannot fully become the person, the friend, the spouse, the parent, the leader God intends you to be without these three gifts. 
You can't. You, if you have two out of three, that's great, but you're not going to become the person God wants you to be unless you have his word, his spirit, and his people. And, and so you, you have to have these. And, and I have to confess where my struggling came in. Um, a few months ago, I, I set up the schedule for this message. And I really felt like I was supposed to preach on generosity. And you'd be like, great, a financial message, awesome. And, and I was already, and I, I kid you not, I rewrote this message four times. And every time I tried to route, I felt stuck. How many of you ever felt stuck? Like you're trying to do something and no matter what you do, it's just like you're running into a wall. And all week I'm writing and I'd write and it just nothing was coming easy and I didn't feel like I was moving in. And, and no matter what I was doing, I just felt resistance. And, and finally, uh, I got to this point where on, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I was studying and I was writing and I was prepping and I was trying to listen to the Lord and I was getting frustrated and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Jason, I want you to press in deeper. I want you to press in deeper. Now, I don't get visions or pictures very often, but I actually got a picture in my head as I was preparing, and I sat there. And how many of you have ever swam in a pool with a deep end? And by deep end, I don't mean six, like six feet. I mean like eight to 12 feet. How many of you ever swam in a pool like that? How many of you ever swam to the bottom of that eight to 12 feet? You know, when you get down into the deep, the deeper you go, the pressure builds. You know that pressure I'm talking about? How many of you can just picture that pressure, right? And I, I've swam in deep pools, and I've held my breath, and I've gone down, and I felt comfortable. But there's a problem with going deep into a pool, is you can be comfortable for a little bit, but if you get too comfortable, it's not good. Because the truth is, you're out of your element. I don't care if somebody's a great swimmer. You were not meant to live in the water. You don't have gills. You breathe air. And sometimes, and this is what I felt like the Lord was saying to me, is, Jason, sometimes you get too comfortable with me. And here's the problem, and here's what I mean by that. God is not safe. And sometimes we get comfortable with God's presence, so comfortable that we take it for granted. It loses its weight. It loses the danger of being in God's presence because God is a threat to us. And here's what I mean by that. God loves you enough. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to keep you where you are. And when you actually get into the deep waters of the Lord, God changes you, and that's scary. And it's uncomfortable, and it is a threat, especially to sin. It's a threat to the parts of you that are uncomfortable. And, and so as I was picturing this, and I sat there, and I felt like the Lord say, Jason, I just want you to wait. And so literally, I, I'm writing, and I just sat there. And I don't know how long I was there. It might have been minutes. might have been an hour. I genuinely don't know. But I just, I didn't know what to write. I didn't know what to think anymore. So I just sat in the presence of the Lord, and I heard the Lord say these words. And by hearing, I don't mean audible. I mean that internal voice saying, Jason, I want you and I want my people to feel the weight, the W-E-I-G-H-T. But then it changed. I want them to feel the weight, W-A-I-T. And so here's what I want to do. And this might make you uncomfortable and it's okay. I'm okay if you're uncomfortable right now. But I want to take a moment for us just to feel the weight of God to wait on his presence. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, and if you're not comfortable with this, if you don't want to close your eyes, be like, I'm just going to keep on staring at you. That's cool, whatever you want to do. But can we as a people feel this moment and allow the weight of the Holy Spirit, the weight of God's presence, the weight of God's people, and just wait in silence. And it's not going to be more than 15, 30 seconds, but can we just sit here and if you want to close your eyes, Holy Spirit, help us feel the weight.
Lord, may this be a holy moment. I sat there writing my message and just sitting in the wait, I realized something. For a couple weeks, I actually knew what the Lord wanted me to preach on, and I was kind of resisting it, and here's why, and I'm just going to confess to you. It's because it's an area that the Lord has been working on in me for some time, and I just didn't want to deal with. And I've said this before, I preach to myself before I preach to you. And, and here's what was happening. The reason why I was getting into a roadblock is because I was actually getting in the way of the Holy Spirit. I was getting in the way. I was like, no, I want to talk about this. And I felt like the Lord said, Jason, they don't need to learn about generosity. They don't need to learn more about generosity. They need to learn to live in my presence. And here's what I got convicted of. See, I gave you three gifts. His word, his spirit, and his people and I wanted to avoid the fourth gift because it's an area that God is, I'll just be honest, I've wrestled with, I've struggled with for years, and that is we must become a people of prayer. Uh, and, and let me explain. I, I know full well, I pray, I do pray, but I've struggled with prayers for decades. And, and I've had encounters with the Lord. I've seen God do miraculous things through healing and prayer, but Prayer is out of my element because, and here's the thing, I feel most vulnerable when I'm in prayer because it's not something I'm really good at. I struggle with it. And so first of all, I want to tell you as your pastor, I'm sorry. I've, while I have prayed, it is an area that the Lord is convicting me and saying, Jason, if you want your people to become a people of prayer, you must become a person of prayer. And, and so I started looking at this and wrestling and and, in, and because I feel the most exposed, the least safe in prayer, I'll be honest, where a lot of that comes from is bad theology, but also bad experiences. Let, let me just tell you, give you an example. Um, so often prayer was associated with shame for me, usually because I wasn't praying enough. I was taught, you know, and, and again, no one ever said it intuitively they ne or never said it outright, but the example that was given is that prayer is on your knees and the first thing you should do before you get up in the morning is to pray and, 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 and spiritual people spend at least an hour every day praying. I've tried it, I fall asleep. <laughs> but then, and, and I can still point to this moment and, and it led to an overcorrection. I was a youth pastor and we were on a mission trip in Denver with our students and we were praying and this woman asked me if I would pray and I prayed. And I got done, and she goes, oh, yes, oh, my, that was incredible. You, you are the most eloquent. You are so good at praying. You, oh, my gosh, that was incredible. I'm like, yeah, I know. No lie. And, and then every time there was prayer, she's like, Pastor Jason asked, he needs to be the one to pray. He, he knows how to pray. And here was the sick part. There was a part of me that was like, yeah, I, I do. And what I realized is that I was not praying to the Lord. I was praying to people. And we, I remember getting back from that and being kind of disgusted with myself. And so I swore that I'd never do long prayers again. Well, here was the problem. I kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. And again, I still pray. Don't get me wrong. I have, I have talked to the Lord, but it's not something where I've become dependent on prayer for my life. Prayer was something that I do as I'm thinking about it. And, and the Lord really challenged me on that in this over the last couple of weeks. And I was reminded... Here's what I felt like the Lord gave me. And, and notice I'll say the word feel. 
because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so I could be wrong, but I don't think I am because it aligns with God's word. Here's what I felt like the Lord said to me. My people, you become like me through my word, my spirit, my people, through community, but also through my presence and my voice. And, and Tim Keller, who is a pastor who just went to be with his king, his, with Jesus a few months ago, a faithful man wrote this about prayer. He said, what is prayer then in the fullest sense? Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. The power of our prayers then lies not primarily in our effort and our striving or in any technique, but rather in our knowledge of God. In other words, prayer is about relationship. And, and I want to say this with all love, and I hope you hear me, and I, this is not meant to be a shaming thing, but I talk to more Christians who will say this to me. I'll ask them, I haven't seen you in church in a while. Oh, it's okay, though, because my, my prayer life is awesome, Jason. Okay, that, that's awesome, great. I don't need to go to church because I, my prayer life is incredible. How's your Bible reading? Oh, I don't really read the Bible, but my prayer life is great. Man, I, I pray before bed. I, I pray over meals. I mean, I'm praying to God regularly. And, and while that sounds awesome, here's the thing. It's a lie. And let me explain what I mean by this. See, if the purpose of prayer is to know the voice of Jesus, the only way you can be sure who you're praying to is by knowing God's word because God's word is where you learn his voice, the sound of his voice. And in fact, I know spiritual people who want nothing to, Jesus, nothing to do with Jesus who think that they're really spiritual because they pray. Prayer is good, but if you do not know God's word, you actually may not be praying to Jesus. You could be praying to a demon for all you know. In fact, if you think you're hearing God's voice, you're praying. If you don't know God's word, you don't know for sure who it is that's actually giving you insight and wisdom. It could be a demon. It could be a lie from the world. It could be your own flesh. We need God's word. And how can I say that? Because Jesus, who was God in flesh, was who prayed regularly. He knew God's word because he was the word become flesh. You cannot, and I need you to hear this, you cannot divorce prayer from Scripture. Now, I'm not saying that God didn't hear you. He absolutely, God is, he, he, he knows his people. But you cannot know for certain that you are discerning God's voice, God's will, if you do not know the primary way in which he revealed it, which is through his word, and then through his spirit, and then through his people. See, if you're not in God's word, the Bible, you actually don't know whose voice, wisdom, guidance, and power you're actually listening to, because the Holy Spirit will never contradict himself. And that same Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If you're saying, well, I follow Jesus, but I don't read God's word, how do you know you're following Jesus? How do you actually know the voice of God unless the one place where God tells us that he speaks for all scripture is God breathed. This is not just pen on paper. This is God's heart, his desire, his words to us written, yes, by broken human beings, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. He then says of the Holy Spirit, John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Where do we know what Jesus has said to us? In God's word. 
He then says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you through the things that are to come. In other words, God has given us wisdom. He's given us his direction, his guidance, his desire for your life and for the world through his word. And so if you're praying, but you're not actually in God's word, in God's spirit, with God's people, you may not actually be praying with God. You might be praying against God. And that's when it hit me. My wife and I were talking this week about the power of our words. And, and here's what modern psychology, neuroscience is teaching us. Did you know that when you tell yourself, when you speak out loud things, your brain actually forms connections that you become those things. So if you tell yourself, well, I'm not a motivated person, guess what you're not going to be? A motivated person. Well, for years, this is what I've said, man, I wrestle with prayer. And guess what? I became somebody who wrestled with praying. And so the Lord challenged me and said, Jason, you need to listen to your own advice. And I went, I don't want to. <laughs> it's way easier if I just ignore it. <laughs> but I couldn't ignore it anymore. It was actually getting in the way of me preaching. I, I couldn't, I, literally all week I was reading and every, every time I'd go in my direction, I felt like the Lord was saying, nope, this way. I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way, Lord. Nope. And, and that was the roadblock. And and so here, remember, not only do we have God's word, but we also have God's spirit. And, and the Bible tells us in James that he'll give us wisdom if we go to him. Well, the way the spirit speaks wisdom is through his word. Now, the Bible's not always easy to read. Would you agree with that? Which is why you also need community. You need faithful men and women who love Jesus who are going to help you so that when you are praying and you're reading through scripture, that you're actually making sure you're not misunderstanding because there are times that we misunderstand God's word. You were not meant, and this is so important, your relationship with God, you have a personal relationship with God, but it is not a private one. You are supposed to be in Christian community. You are supposed to be reading scripture together and praying together over what God has for us. And if I were to say there's an area where I believe God wants us to become a church is a praying church and not just praying on your own, praying in community so that we can become, so that you can become. About uh, earlier this year, we started during our tithes, we started reading Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, which is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays over the church in Ephesus. But I want to read to you the whole context. And I, I did this a few weeks ago, but I want to read it again as we're talking about the power of prayer. Uh, and I want to start encouraging you. If you have a Bible, bring it on Sunday mornings. And I'm going to give you permission. If you're somebody who has your Bible on your app, I'm going to trust that if you pull your phone out, it's to look at the Bible, not to go you know, searching on Facebook or whatever. Uh, and so I'm going to give you permission. But let's not just talk about being people of the word. Let's actually be people of the word. And if you need a Bible, come and talk to me. We'll get you a Bible. But what would it look like if we actually started bringing this word to church and actually started taking notes? And so if, I would encourage you, take notes. Because this is about a year of intentionality. If you want to become somebody different, be intentional about it. Amen? And so let me read. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and it's a prayer that he gives. And, and we're going to come to the verses that we've been saying, but I want to start in 16. He says, I pray. What does he do? He prays. Paul obviously believes in prayer, but listen to what he says. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. 
He is praying for the church in Ephesus. And, and quite frankly, this is a prayer that we should be praying for each other, that we would be strengthened. Would we all agree that sometimes life can be hard? That we need strength? Paul is saying, I pray that you would be strengthened with the glorious riches of the Spirit in your inner being, that part of you that ultimately shapes who you become, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not just so you can be strong, but so that you might let Christ dwell, live, reside, take residence inside of who you are. And I, what's the word there? Say, what's the word? I pray. I feel like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> the only reason why I said I was watching a documentary and Hulk Hogan was on it, so that's what came to mind, sorry. And I pray that you being rooted established in love. That word rooted means literally fixed in place. You're, you're secure, you're grounded in love. Verse 18, that you may, now again, this is still a prayer. God's word, if you don't know what to pray, pray God's word. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. He is not talking about you individually. He is praying that you would experience the power of God by being in community. And I wonder, and this isn't what Paul says, so this is Jason, okay? I wonder if part of the reason why our prayers, why we see people who are struggling is because they're praying for themselves, but they have no one praying over them and for them. Yes, you should be coming to the Lord with your prayers, but why does it seem that the Bible leads us to a communal prayer that we should be praying for each other. I need you to pray for me, and I need to be praying for you. Together with all Lord's holy people, and I love this part, three-dimensional space, that you would grasp, hold on to how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is a three-dimensional faith that you would be filled with the love of Christ in all dimensions. What makes something three-dimensional? It doesn't just have height. It has depth and width and length. And Paul is saying, I pray that your, the fullness of God's love would live inside of you. Now listen to this. This is so great. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is God's prayer. This should be our prayer for each other that you would be filled high, long, wide, deep with the love and the knowledge of God, that you would be strengthened in your inner being, established and rooted in love, grounded in God. And, and here's the reason why, see, it, what makes prayer effective is not how eloquent you are and how long you pray. That's what I rallied against because it felt like that's wonderful, you pray eloquent prayers, but does God care about your eloquence? Do you think God cares more about somebody who's simply in desperation, crying and said, Lord, I need you, or the person who's got lots of these and thys and uses all kind of great language and, and keeps on saying God's name over and over again as if he forgot it? Father in heaven, Father, you know, Father, like Father, every time my kids say Father, 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 I'm like, what do you want now, right? And, and, and here it's this knowledge, but here's what, what makes our prayers effective and powerful and this is what Paul comes to, and this is what our Bible verse is when we do tithes and offering. Now to him, which is God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now check this out. If you have your Bible, and if you want to highlight or circle these, we see 
all of the components that we've talked about that are needed to become like Jesus. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, ask is prayer, all we ask, or imagine, or according to, according to his power, which is his spirit and his word, that is at work within us, us as God's people, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, God wants, we need to be praying for the full measure of God to move in us. And, and there's a repentance that needs to take place. And if we believe in Jesus, we also believe in his word. But we also believe in, and this is the part that I really got convicted on. See, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that when we pray, it unlocks and unleashes the heavenly realm. You do not have because you do not ask. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me share a few things that prayer does for us, okay? First, prayer unites us. Romans 15, 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. We should be praying together for others. 1 Timothy 2.1, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Prayer is meant to unite us. Prayer strengthens us. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes these words, Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let me, Jason, speak this for you, okay? Romans 8 is saying sometimes when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for you. Uh, in charismatic circles, they call that the gift of tongues. It's a prayer language. And, and I believe in the gift of tongues. If you were here a couple weeks ago, charismatic but with a seatbelt, right? We believe... We believe that God speaks and uses his word. And when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit comes in and prayer language takes place. And, and it's all because God intercedes to strengthen you. And then last, well, there's much more that he does. But the last thing I want to talk about is that prayer moves God to action. So there's this cool story in Acts chapter 12. You don't pray to move, to change God's heart. You pray to sh let God shape yours. Let me say that again. You don't pray to change God's heart. You pray to shape yours that the Lord would shape your heart. So check out what happens in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, James, not James the half-brother of Jesus, but James the brother of John, uh, he's executed, he's martyred for his faith. Now, I guarantee you that the Christians were praying for James. They were praying that God would rescue him, and he didn't. And now Peter's in prison. This is Acts chapter 12. Peter's in prison, and when I say prison, he's got two guards shackled to him. He's sitting in a prison cell, and there's gates where there's sentries that are guarding the prison gate, right? And it says that, and this is so funny, it says um, that the people were at Mark's mom's house. I, that sounds like something my kids say, hey, we're at Mark's mom's house, right? They're at Mark's mom's house. Mark is the one who wrote the gospel of Mark. They're at Mark's mom's house, and they're praying for Peter to be released, that God would rescue him. But here's the thing, God didn't rescue James, and, and they've not watched as God hasn't answered. How many of you have ever had God not answer a prayer the way you wanted to? All of us better have your hand up. It's actually one of the reasons why I struggle with prayer. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for cancer to be healed, and it wasn't. How many times I've prayed for God to heal a broken arm or to restore a marriage or to move, and it doesn't happen. God answered. The answer was just no. 
And so they're praying, God, rescue Peter, please rescue Peter. And it says that, and this part is so, it's, we, dis- we disagreed on what the meaning of this was, but here's what I picture. It says that Peter is asleep. He's got these guards literally chained to him. It says an angel of the Lord appears to him, and, he, and it says he strikes Peter. And the idea I have in my mind is the angel does this, wake up. And, and Sermon read through like, well, maybe it was like, I think Megan was like, maybe it was like this, Peter, quick, we got to go. No, it said he struck him. It didn't say he patted him. Like, I really picture the engine going, dummy, we got to go, right? And, and, it, and, and it's, it's kind of comical, but it says that Peter wakes up and instantly the chains fall off him and he comes unshackled. And then the door miraculously opens. And the angel goes, come on, we got to go. And he leads Peter out of the prison. He leads him past, and the guards are all asleep. They have no clue what's going on. And Peter thinks he's actually having a vision. He doesn't think it's real. Peter's not expecting the Lord to deliver him. Sometimes we don't know when God's moving when he's already moving. Did you catch that? And it says that Peter is not even sure this is real until now. All the doors are open, everybody's asleep, and Peter's outside of the prison. He's standing in the courtyard going, that actually happened. Now, here's my favorite part. Peter then goes to Mark's mom's house. That's what it says. Peter goes to Mark's mom's house, and he's knocking on the door. And I don't picture him going, hello, anybody there? No, I think Peter's probably a little freaked out going, I hope they don't find me. I just got out of, I just escaped prison. He's probably going, hey, 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 anybody going to let me in? Like, Peter's knocking on the door, and it says that one of the servants hears a voice, and she goes, and she goes, it sounds like Peter, but instead of opening the door, she goes, that sounds like Peter. She goes back in and says, hey, everybody, I think Peter's outside. And you know what the response is? It's not praise God, God delivered. It's, it's a ghost, literally. They think it's a ghost or Peter's angel. Now, you might be like, Jason, wait a second. Are you telling me the Bible says there's ghosts and that people become angels? No. Did you know that just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's theologically true? God's people have not always gotten their theology right. And Peter's still knocking on the door. And finally, they come in. They think he's a ghost because they're not expecting God to answer. They're not expecting that God would rescue Peter. Why? Because he didn't rescue James. Peter comes in, and then Peter shares with them how God had miraculously rescued him from prison, did all these miraculous things, and God delivered. Now, here's what I love about this story. One, it shows the humanity. They actually didn't think God was going to answer their prayer, and yet they still prayed. They weren't expecting God to do a miracle, and yet they still prayed. The goal is not that we expect a miracle. The goal is that we expect the presence of God. When we think the purpose of our prayers is to get God to move, we've missed the point. The purpose of prayer is to get us to move closer to God. Dependence on the Lord. I want to invite the worship team back out here. See, as we come to this, we look at the story of what takes place. And, and when our scripture this morning in, in 2 Timothy, when it says to fan and to flame the gift of God, we get the sense that Timothy really wrestled with who God was calling him to become. Some of you here, the reason why you're afraid or maybe don't want to press into becoming like Jesus is you might be thinking this, well, what if I fail? Guess what you're going to? We're humans. Only Jesus is perfect. What if I'm not good enough, strong enough, disciplined enough? What if I'm not spiritual enough? Some of you, what if I don't become who God wants me to become? This is why we're called to fan into flame the gift of God. See, just because there's a fire lit, we've all lit a fire and the ember went out. Was it because there wasn't oxygen around? No, there was. But sometimes you need to blow 
on the flame. You need to fan into flame the gift of God. And so what are the gifts of God? Well, one, we know it's the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. If you want a spiritual gift, you can ask for it. But it's also the callings. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But it's also your relationship with Him. And, and there's an intentionality. If you want your relationship with God to grow and get bigger, you must be intentional. If you want to grow in your, in, in to become the person that God wants you to be, you must be intentional. You cannot just expect it to happen. I think one of the greatest gifts that God has given all of us is vision. He really does have a vision for your life. And it's probably not to be a pastor or to work in a church for most of you. Wherever you're planted is where God wants you to grow. So if you're a teacher, God wants you to have a vision. He has a, he has a vision for you as a teacher. If you're a nurse, he has a vision for you as a nurse. If you're a business owner, if you have your finances, God has a vision for your life to glorify him and his kingdom. And why does Paul tell us, to, he says the four gifts we need to lay on the hands. We need people to lay hands. See, it's one thing to say I'm praying for you, but you can only lay hands on somebody if you're actually present with them. We need prayer. We need power. We need people. So what does God ultimately want to fan into flame into your life? It's three things. You ready for this? Boldness, courage, and transformation. He's praying that Timothy would not be afraid, that he would not have a spirit of timidity. You need courage to become who God wants you to be because it's scary. The deep end of the water is scary, isn't it? God wants transformation in your life. So I'm going to give you four commitments, and then we're going to do a small practice that I didn't create. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And we're going to do it very fast. But there are four commitments that I'm going to encourage you to make. And these will be on our website or be on Facebook. But four commitments to be like Jesus. First, you need to be in his word. Second, you need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Third, you need to be living in faithful Christian community. Join a small group. Don't just go to church. Be in church. Be in the community. And then lastly, through the power of prayer. Here's the simple tool, and, and it's called Acts. I didn't write this. It's been around for decades. And, and would you stand with me? We're going to go through this very quickly, and I'm going to teach you a simple way to pray. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to speak it out loud in a whisper, if you want to do it internally, but we're going to go through this very fast. Acts, it starts off with adoration. Praise God for who he is. So let's take a moment. Whether it be if you want to verbally say it in a whisper or out loud or internally, what is one thing that you praise God for? And I'll start off, God, I praise you that you are good. Right now, give it to the Lord. What is one thing that you praise God for? One character, one attribute. Praise you that you are good. C stands for confession. Tell him the sins. Is there a sin in your life that you're battling that you need to confess to the Lord? Right now, I want you to picture, if you know what that sin is, confess it to the Lord. If you need to do it under your breath, actually confess it. Maybe it's drinking or pornography. Maybe it's anger or pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's greed. Confess that sin to the Lord right now. Give it to the Lord. And then we move into thanksgiving. Give him thanks for the gifts in your life, for the breath in your lungs, for your church family, for salvation, for the Holy Spirit and the gift of his word. And right now, I want you to just, I thank you, God, that I am already forgiven in Jesus' name. Right now, tell God what you're thankful for. What is one thing you're thankful for? We've adored him. We've confessed to him. We thank him. Now we bring what we need now, if there's something you need right now, if there's a friend, somebody you care about, if you need healing in your life, if there's a heartache, if there's an area of, of supply, if you need a job, 
right now, say to the Lord, say, God, this is, please, Father, hear me. God is inviting you into the deep end. Don't think it's going to be safe. It's not. But it'll be worth it. Amen? Let us become a people of prayer. Guys, thank you so much for coming. So grateful for how God is moving in our midst. So grateful for you. May we be the people that God wants us to be. Amen? If you want to stick around for closing worship, great. But if you need to go, I get it. Father, we thank you for how you're moving. Spirit, help us become who you want us to be. Help us become people of prayer. Help us be intentional. Can I ask a challenging question? I'm going to give this one last challenge. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it now. If you're willing to step into a year of intentionality with us, would you just raise, raise your hand? Not going to do it perfectly, but if you're willing to say, hey, I want to try this year of intentionality, raise your hand right now. Here's what you're going to do. Don't make a vow. Don't make a commitment to the Lord, but just say this, God, I want to be intentional. Help me to be there. In Jesus' name. Thank you guys so much for coming. Please stick around for worship if you want to, but if you need to go, we get it.
Song must end. 